Can I invite you please to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? Thank you for joining in beautifully. And I need a, I'd like to ask for a real big umbrella of mercy today because I'm going to probably, I'm going to probably anger many of you uh, because the topic is anger. And what I'd like you to see in the passage this morning are really two things. There is a very negative way to look at anger and a very positive way. They're the Vanderhaars. Uh, Evan and family, just want to acknowledge your father's home going. Wish you God's grace and peace as you uh, release him to the Lord. Yeah. Um, so Jesus is going to talk about anger, and he's going to bring it into three levels, and it is, it is brutally honest. And I've got to figure out how to communicate effectively without swearing, literally, because the third level of anger is, is horrific. In fact, Jesus said, if you get to that place in anger and you say those words, Jesus said, you endanger the fires of hell. So it's, anger can be really dangerous. But then Jesus offers two illustrations of something quite different. So my sermon this sentence is this. As women and men who are salt and light, we move from killing to kindness. We move from killing to kindness. Can I remind you, can you look at your Bibles, please, just at the headings at chapter 5. So last couple of weeks, we've been talking about salt and light and being righteous. Can you look at your headings? You see in 521, murder. In 527, adultery. In 531, divorce. In 533, oaths. In 538, eye for eye. In 543, love for enemies. What is Jesus doing with this? May I have slide four and five, please? Jesus is taking the real stuff of life and he's inviting his disciples to be salt and light in this. In this passage, Jesus is gonna talk about raging anger and contempt and hatred and lust and divorce and verbal manipulations and revenge, and slapping, and suing, and coercing, and begging. Why? Because he wants us to remember that we are to be people of salt. We are to help preserve and bless our culture. We're to be people of light. And so he takes very real things that wreck relationships. So having said that, we look at chapter five. Oh, I forgot, we gotta memorize. Can I have the slides, the memorization slide? Mike set it up so beautifully and I've forgotten, so forgive me. So we're trying to memorize. If, you've, if you wanna go online, please consider going to trcpella.com slash Matthew five. It's a beautiful, simple way to memorize this. So we're trying to memorize Matthew five, three through 12. Let's read this together. Would you join me, please? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you. So online, hard copy. So we're slowly trying to let these words become part of us and see where they take us as we become like Jesus. Now look at chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. In a few verses, Jesus, your heading says murder, but Jesus is going to talk about murder and anger. So please hear the words of the Lord. 521. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. That's Exodus chapter 20. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. That's the first step. Second step. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is an answer as answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, be in dangers of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've heard or paid the last penny. So verses 21 and 22 is very strong, and it's negative. It's a warning. Verses 23 through 25 is the opportunity to handle anger differently. So having said that, can I ask you to talk with each other for just a moment? Two questions. What makes you angry? And how angry do you get? What makes you angry? And how angry do you become? On your marks, get set, go. Please. Do I make you angry? Keep going. <laughs> Very good, thank you. Let me give you a couple sentences to just get, get started, then I'm gonna take this. I'm, I'm gonna, I'd like you to stay with me this morning because I'm gonna really try to turn the soil here with the text. So verses 21 and 22 is when we are just crazy angry and what happens to us. And there are three steps of anger. Let me just mark it out for you. The first step, we are just angry. And then we move to contempt. And then if we are angrier, we move to malice. 
And Jesus has said just before this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are going to affect positively culture. Listen to this sentence. It is said that anger has been described as the most foundational problem in all human relationships through all time. Anger is the most fundamental problem in all human relationships. And Jesus says to his disciples, his anavim, you have heard it said. Now remember, in that day, prior to Jesus, this is how anger worked. If um, I was mad at Don and slapped him in the face, Don was legally allowed to slap me in the face. If I killed his daughter, he was allowed, allowed to kill my son. It was an exact exchange, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It was intended to lower the level of violence. Jesus said, you have heard it said, and then he says, oh, but I say to you something very different. So let me just read a couple sentences and then I want to go to the text. Anger has been described as the foundational problem in all human relationships. Now, I'd like you to, would you think about what makes you angry? And just listen to what these, I'll go slow, listen to me carefully. Anger erupts when my will and desires are blocked. Anger always feels right in the moment I feel justified in my anger. Anger acts before it thinks. Anger always carries a level of self-righteousness. There's a reason for me to be angry at you. The importance an angry person has for self and the imagined wound done to self is often blown way out of proportion. Can you think of anything done with anger that can be done better without anger? Anger shoves love aside. Anger and contempt are always connected. We move from anger to contempt. When we are in contempt, we see the other person as worthless, as having no value. And contempt almost always includes filthy language. Let me give you an example. How often have we heard in the last couple years, President Trump, President Biden, the word starts with F in the president's name. Whoever says that has gone from anger to contempt to malice. And Jesus says to his anavim, his disciples, please don't do that. You are the salt of the earth. You've got to preserve. You've got to help a culture. You're the light of the world. So what he stresses is first, what happens when we're angry is we feel self-righteous, there's vanity, I'm right, whatever. If we don't address it well, we move to contempt. And then the person becomes an enemy. And then we see her or him as they're in the other Democratic Republican Party and I hate them and I hate their positions and we start to move to devaluing people. And the next step is malice. And this is where it gets really bad. So Jesus says, when you get to malice, he says, oh, be careful. Because if you call someone racha, racha, it's like spit before you spit at someone. 
you say, Wah! let me translate that for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, need, I need a big umbrella of mercy here. I've got, I've got to try to explain it to you and not be vulgar, not be filthy. But when we move to, to malice, we begin to, we've already devalued the person. If I could explain it to you, it would be, you starts with an F and then an A. That's Raka. So I'm angry at someone. If I don't address my anger, give it to Jesus. Remember the series on the Psalms? We give our anger to the Lord. We give our anger. We say, Lord, I acknowledge this. I give it to you. If I don't do that, then I move to contempt. And then that person becomes my enemy. And I don't like them. And we move the malice, and then we want them to be hurt. We want horrible things to happen, and we do not care how badly it hurts them. And Jesus said, oh, no, don't do that. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So Jesus says, you have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, oof, go farther. And what he's really asking is, what is the condition of your heart? Because when I move to Raqqa, my heart is so hard. It is so stony. It is so brittle that I can think the most horrible things. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about someone with whom you have never maybe said, but maybe you have. Raqqa, do you have a person in mind? Jesus loves that person. Jesus loves the person with whom you said, you Mm, mm. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him, even Raka. So all of a sudden, you see what happens is we've depersonalized the people we're angry with. We have become self-righteous. And then what happens to salt and light? So go on social media and look what you see and read and here, and the person self-describes as a Christian, do you see salt, preservation, flavor? Do you see light, illumination? What do you see? So Jesus really is serious about the heart condition for how we relate to each other. And I may, may be real, I'm careful here, but is, may I say that I'm going to generalize for just a minute? I think many of us can feel quite safe in our Christianity to live in a constant state of anger toward other people or other positions or other parties or other companies or other teams. And may I, as your pastor, just say that's dangerous? That's really dangerous. Because what happens is then the heart just gets so hard. So I gave you historically, 70 years ago, there was a group of people called the Germans who saw the Jews as Raqqa. And in 10 years, 6 million Raqqas were killed by many people who called themselves Christians. You see how dangerous this is? This is dangerous stuff. 
So Jesus then, having talked about how dangerous it is, now he gives us two ways to address anger. And they're surprising ways. So could you look a little farther in the text? Let me just stop for a quick second. I'm sorry, I'm going to go before that. Can I have the, can I have the pictures again, please? Um, so this is, I want to keep bringing these back. So what Jesus is asking us to be is women and men, boys and girls, who below the surface, what others don't see, is the character of Jesus. So let me give you an example. I don't lust, I don't steal, I don't commit adultery, I don't do those things. Okay, but Jesus would say, but would you if you would not get caught? Would you hate, would you lust, would you steal if you knew you would not get caught? And Jesus is asking us to develop the character his character in what is unseen so that what begins to be seen above the water is the magnificent beauty and goodness of Jesus. Next picture. If we do this together, and I didn't know this, so David was here last service. He just, he and his wife and family just came from San Francisco. He said, I didn't know this. He corrected me. These trees are up to 300 feet tall. So I'm, my mind is right. The top of the, where the cross is is about 25 feet, maybe 30. These trees are 10 times taller than that. Look how small the person is at the base. How old are those trees? These trees are more than 2,000 years old. They're older than Jesus when Jesus came to earth. And what's the root system? It's six feet. Now how do those trees live for thousands of years in that way, in that beauty, they are connected like this. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's who we become. We become a community of people who are so enmeshed in Jesus and with each other. Now back to the picture that what's below the surface is absolutely beautiful. Just remind you what Jesus said. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's below the surface comes out here or comes out here. Yes? So that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, now he's going to give two alternatives. He's going to, he's going to show how we can, we can be angry. We can express anger in, no, well, we'll see. It's about being kind. So look at the next two examples. Verse 23. Jesus said, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister, this is someone else in the community of faith, has something against you, excuse me, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So in the first two verses, can anger, contempt, malice. Now he offers an alternative. Now let me tell you how stunning that would have been to the hearers. So I want you to think, we're coming to the temple in Jerusalem, and there's a, there is a, a great big altar here, and each household brings their animal. And as you bring your animal, it is cut into pieces. I slit the throat as the priest. I catch all the blood. The animal is placed on the altar, and there's a sacrifice given to God. I take the blood, I throw it on the altar, and I sprinkle it on you. Now, here's the passage. You have brought your animal 
to the altar. The priest is beginning to sprinkle the blood and you stop the service. Folks, this is unheard of. It never happens. No one would dare stop the ritual of sacrifice in a temple. And Jesus said, no, you're, you're angry. A brother has hurt you. A sister has hurt you. When you come to the worst place of worship and you remember that, stop the service. Don't stay angry. Go look for your brother or sister. Take a step toward reconciliation and healing and then come back. Anger, contempt, raka. Jesus said, no, don't do that. If you think about someone with whom you're angry, leave your sacrifice and go and make it right. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because you're the salt of the earth. Because you're the light of the world. What would happen in our community if those of us who have a publicly broken relationship with someone took steps toward healing and reconciliation? What would happen to Pella, Oskaloosa, Newton, Knoxville? What would happen? Well, Jesus gives a second example. This is going to be a little surprising. He gives a second example. Don't kill, move to kindness. And this goes around the idea of suing someone. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown to prison. Truly, I tell you, you'll not get up until you've paid the last penny. So how do we typically translate that? You can't sue. That's not what it says. Read it. It does not say you cannot sue. What it says is, don't be angry and sue. Contempt, malice, no. Find your brother with whom you are going to court and move from killing him. I hate you. You screwed me over. You did this to me. You move to kindness. So you walk with your brother on the way to court. Now you're not becoming best friends. I'm not saying that but you're not trying to kill them. You're not trying to rock on them. You're not trying to make it right, because I'm just a... No, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, no, you're, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You need to be different. So all of us, this whole little five, six verses, it's just moving from killing to kindness. No, but let me stop. A couple people give me a comment. What are you hearing? And let's see where we go with it. And a couple people give me a comment. Yes, Gabby. I, I'm, my feeling in my heart is that we are thinking sin management. We have to not do this. And we can't do it. We have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit in order to do what Jesus is saying. So if Kathy said we, we can't do sin management. So stay with that. Don't, don't stay here, Kathy. Don't lose it. An elder wrote me last week and talked about sin management. And so, and so remember, I said sin management is about externals doing all the right stuff for the wrong reasons. And the elder wrote me a beautiful email and said, sometimes in my flesh, I need to just do the right thing for the wrong reasons. 
I just need to be in the flesh. I got to do the right thing, even though my heart's not in it at all. Isn't that a good comment? Isn't that good? I'm back to Kathy. It's, but she said, unless we are, see, this, this is the crazy thing. It's not, okay, I'm going to not be angry anymore. Okay, all right. And then someone posts something and boom, I get so upset. Someone at work does this, someone on the team does this. Da, 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 da. We want to be so connected to Jesus that what comes out of us is kindness, not killing. What comes out of us is who he is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. That's who Jesus is. I told you last week, someday in the new heaven and new earth, you and I will be this way with everyone. And get what? Guess what? We get to practice here. But it comes down to this relationship with Jesus. So Mike led us so beautifully through this. What, what is an examine? Let me give you a different phrase. When I was a young pastor in our church in California, we had a number of families broken because of uh, abuse and sexual indiscretions. And so I went to a... a to Fuller Seminary to someone I knew and said, could you help me understand what's going on? And he shared some things. And I said, what do we need to do to stay in great relationships? I'll never forget the sentence. He said, to be in a great relationship, we need to keep current. C-U-R-R-E-N-T. In our relationship with Jesus, we keep current. Mike led us to examine. We Staff and team have led us in the lighthouse, prayer ministries. It's taking the time to say, Lord, this is who I am. Who are you? Who are we? How can we stay current? My relationship with Lane is dependent on how current we are with each other. And that's what Jesus invites. So Kathy's point is well taken. So it's, again, it's not just doing things. It's, it's, it's in ways that you're created. It's through worship, through prayer, through walking creation, through memorizing scripture, through reading great people, to have the accountability groups. So if I was going to start church, and I'm not going to, but if I was, the church I was a part of would do three things. This is what we do in smaller settings. We'd gather to worship. We'd do three things. I would ask those who would be willing, could we read a certain amount of scripture together every week? Three, four, five passages, uh, for chapters. Every week. Two, every week we would confess our sins to each other. Every week. Why? Keep current. There's something powerful when we share our sin with a person. Obviously, we want to confess our sins to the Lord, but what if we were keeping current? And the third thing is we would pray for one person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. That's all we'd do in our church, in the church if I start over again. We'd read scripture, we confess our sins, and we pray for people with no relationship with Jesus. Why? Because together as a smaller setting, smaller groups, we start to be knitted to each other and we'd be knitted to Jesus and his kingdom call. And one of the great concerns, you know this, you listened to me these last years, one of my great concerns in, our, in our, our beautiful, wonderful world 
is we are so busy and so distracted. So, I listened to Mike when he said, we are trying to do three things together as a community, keeping Sabbath, memorizing scripture, and examine. And Mike said, I think I got this right, 24 hours. Now don't raise your hand. How many people in this room are actually keeping a Sabbath day? I mean, a day of feasting, embracing, resting, and worshiping. Now, look, look, so just do an examine. How's your anger? How much contempt do I have in my life? How often is malice part of what I write or post or think? What would happen if we kept Sabbath? Resting, embracing, feast. And I, and I, know, I know there are reasons why we say we can't. But may I push? I think it's imperative that we receive this good gift. So if I, if I said to you in your job or whatever, you can have seven weeks of vacation a year, would you take it? The Lord has given you seven weeks of vacation every year. And if we don't receive it, I observe, I just become angry. And then I get filled with contempt. And then it's rock, 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 rock. And brothers, brothers and sisters, what goes around comes around. And Jesus wants us to know life and love and goodness. I'm invited into a relationship with someone who some years ago uh, was sexually abused in, uh, in horrific ways. And a uh, person a bit younger than I. And every week when I see this person, wherever, the person asks me to just, just give them a hug and not say a word. She just give them a hug. And I said, why, why, why do you want me to give you a hug? She said, I want to envision that's how God feels about me. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is nuts about you? Nuts. He wants a relationship with each of us. He is pursuing us relentlessly to invite us to the place where we can experience the love of Jesus. I alluded to this several weeks ago. Someone with whom I have a relationship was engaged in some nefarious stuff. And in the midst of a nefarious moment, there was an encounter with Jesus. And I have watched over the last six months that this person's life has changed. And now what I observe is a change of heart, a change of life, and I see someone who wants to be connected to the one who loves him. 
That's, that's, that's the reality for us. Oh my. How about slide 11, and I'm gonna pray. Here's my sermon for the last 28 minutes. Anger shoves love out. Kindness invites love in. Can I invite us this week to be people of salt, people of light, and people of kindness? Amen. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you invite us into this deep, beautiful, abundant relationship. I thank you for the ways you are relentlessly looking for us, inviting us, touching us, blessing us with a hope that there is more between us and with you. So can we just take a moment, and if you have been battling anger, contempt, or malice, would you keep current with Jesus? Would you express to him why anger, contempt, and malice are part of your life right now? Would you give that to him? In your mind's eye, give him a package of anger, a bag of contempt, a bucket of malice. And as you offer it to him, would you look into his eyes? Look into his eyes. And what do you see? I'm praying you're hearing the words of love. That you belong to Jesus and he belongs to you. Would you hear his encouragement that you are salt and you are light? And he longs to express kindness through you. So Lord, as we move to places of communion, as we offer ourselves to be prayed for by prayer ministers, we pray that in whatever we say or do or think, we would magnify you. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you and we honor you. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen.